He says to each and every one of you that you are deeply loved and wholly blessed. And if you have one moment in your life that you doubt that, open up Ephesians 1, where we are told that we are beloved, we are forgiven, and we are chosen. We are sealed with the Spirit. And my friend, if you even continue to doubt that, take some purple lipstick. And it has to be purple because we are the daughters of a king. And write it on your mirror because we are deeply loved. Have you ever met anyone whose heart was so pure, whose story was so riveting, and whose strength was so supernatural that it literally took your breath away? My guest today, Cindy Wilkins, is that kind of woman. Welcome to season four of the Significant Women podcast. If this is your first time listening to Significant Women, let me just tell you what we're all about. And then I'll give you a moment to run and get a box of tissues in order to prepare for my conversation with Cindy Wilkins. Significant Women is a podcast for women to gather with their personal stories and wisdom gleaned from the ordinary days of an uncommon life. Our goal is to simply encourage women in every season of life that their story matters. It matters very much. You know, I've learned that when Jesus is involved in the details of my life, that my life can be a significant demonstration of everything that he is. And the same holds true for you. Well, let me tell you about Cindy Wilkins. She has a passion for life that's rare in the world today. And she's overcome many obstacles, including infertility and a quadruple amputation. That's right. I said quadruple. During the months that she spent in rehab after her amputation, Cindy worked hard to recapture a relationship with her very young children. And she had to learn how to walk again, how to swim again, and how to dance through life again, as only Cindy does. Now, Cindy is a wife, a mom, and an international speaker. She has a heart for sharing her story with transparency. And I know that just like she did to me, she will bring both tears and laughter to your life today. So now, my friends, now is your time. Run, go get a box of tissues, maybe grab a cup of coffee or tea, and settle down and be prepared to be transformed by the heart and the testimony of Cindy Wilkins. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for joining me today on the Significant Women podcast. You know, as I read your story, honey, you are significant. Let me just tell you right now, <laughs> you are so significant um, and I appreciate it. But just tell us about Cindy Wilkins. Like, just tell us, um, you know, what do you do on a normal day? What does your life look like? Tell us about your kids and your pets and your kitchen. <laughs> just tell us about you. How wonderful to do that. Thanks, Carol. And it's a normal day for me is just waking up. I have a 16-year-old daughter and a 11-year-old son, and I homeschool them. So I'm a little bit crazy on that end. And so we wake up, we make breakfast. My husband um, owns a little store in our neighborhood. We live in Canada. And um, so he goes off to work there. And 
we look after our property, which is several acres with, here's our dog and cat story. Uh, We have three dogs, one with three legs. We have two cats, eight chickens, and one horse. We used to have two horses, but we lost our Mac recently. So we have one horse. That is so fun. So, hey, Cindy, just FYI, I homeschooled for 25 years. So did I you get really? you. I, oh, yes, wow. I really did. Oof. And, you know, I, <laughs> I loved it, um, Cindy. Like when I look back at my life someday, that's one thing I'm not going to regret is giving my life to educating my children. I loved it. So you go, girl. That That's wonderful. Thank well, you. Cindy, you have a component to your story that is tragic and hopeful and you're amazing. (laughs) So would you tell my friends what you've been through as a woman? I would be honored to tell all of you what I've been through. And tomorrow I celebrate the anniversary of 11 years since having gone through this. So this is a really special time for me. Um, I grew up, let's say, um, knowing about God, but knowing not knowing who God was. And my husband grew up in a, f- a family that didn't know God at all. So we, when we were married, we brought together um, both of our lives. And in the first 10 years of our marriage, I just found myself asking the same question over and over again. The question we always ask when we sit in a period of uncertainty, and that was, why me? Why me when we were the first to buy a house of all our friends and Mark lost his job? Why me when his mother passed away and we seemed to have walls going up um, with each of us and we just couldn't seem to connect as connect as a married couple? And then why me as we sat in front of a doctor who told us we couldn't have children? Those why me's not knowing God took me to a very dark place, Carol. It was so dark that there were times when I thought to myself, I'd like to just end the pain in my heart and the loneliness. But that pain and loneliness was not because I was missing children. It was because I was missing the very one who needed to fill the hole. We eventually went on to adopt a beautiful baby girl from Florida. I was present at her birth with Mark. We helped deliver her. And as I held her in my arms, I thought to myself, thank you, Lord. I don't know um, what I did to deserve such an incredible gift. And all the pain and suffering of infertility just kind of flipped like a coin. And it became... um, something beautiful. And I knew in my heart I wanted more children. So we tried and tried adoption attempt after adoption attempt, and they just seemed to be failing. So we decided to try IVF in Argentina, very long story. (laughs) Um, And and we were successful. So about 11 years ago, I had a five-year-old little girl and a three-month-old baby boy. Mark and I thought we had been through all our trials and all our YMEs. And we still did not know who God was, and he certainly wasn't in our marriage because of that. I took Liam, my little boy, to the hospital with what I thought was the croup, and it was. He was administered some special medication to take it away. But when I got home, I had a strange ache in my right leg and a very high fever. I started vomiting aggressively, so I got out my favorite flu bucket, labeled to pause it here. <laughs> I, I, my favorite popsicles, chocolate, and I just got ready for the flu, but this was far more aggressive, Carol. It was so aggressive that 
when it came time to think about going to the hospital for it, I was too weak to have Mark to even take me to the car. So we called an ambulance during the day when my daughter was at school. And on the way, the the ambulance attendant said to me, oh, I can't seem to get your blood pressure cuff to work. They break all the time. I counted the lights to the hospital. I was quite aware that we were going there, and I thought they'd stick a needle in my arm, give me an IV, and send me home. I was probably just very dehydrated. And we were the un- under the impression that I had the flu. But when I arrived, the doctors and nurses were quite panicked, and they started administering to me very quickly. My husband was on the drive there, and after this point, I don't remember much, but I am told on the drive there, he received a call, and he was told that I was very, very ill, and he had to come very quickly to sign papers for them to medically induce a coma, and I would not make it through the night. Mm. Carol, I had contracted necrotizing fasciitis, which is otherwise known as flesh-eating disease. My kidneys and liver were shutting down and my organs were failing. They were preparing for me to die that night. And as my husband sat in a un, un, or abnormally not busy hospital ICU room, he thought to himself, you know, I've always been a Christian and yet I've never read the Bible. And of course, sitting right beside him was a beautiful Bible. So he picked it up. Now, he started with the book of Revelation, which I will not let him live down. (laughs) He said he just wanted to know the ending of the book. So it was a book of hope. So he, uh, he listened to the Bible as I continued to fight for my life. After about, um, I would say, a couple of weeks of being told every day that I would not make it through the night, Mark was called into the hospital and told that uh, it was time to pull the life support. He had been listening to God's word for the first time in his life and trying to learn who God was, taking care of a little little five-year-old girl who wondered where her mommy was and a three-month-old baby boy who was still sick. And uh, the idea of making the decision for me had never entered his mind. So he prayed. And he sat by my bed in the middle of the night in the ICU department and cried and prayed his most fervent prayer of his life. And isn't it funny how God answers our prayers and and shows himself to us in the way that he knows we'll hear? And so he did that with my husband. He showed him that he was very real and that I would live. Unfortunately, Although my husband knew that I would live, which is great news, but even greater news was that he knew God was real. Um, Unfortunately, he um, had to make the decision in order to save my life to have my hands and feet amputated. So in my world, I went to sleep one night and I woke the next, but it had been five weeks and my husband was standing over me with the most beautiful look of love in his eyes that was so powerful I can only imagine that it reflected a tiny bit of what it'll be like to look into the eyes of our Savior. And he said to me, Honey, you've been very ill, 
and they've had to amputate your hands and feet. Well, can you imagine the very loud, why me, I cried out in that moment. Why me? Why can't I be with my children? How will I take care of my children? How could you let this happen to me, God? I'm a good person. I didn't deserve this. Why would you let this happen to me? And as I cried out to God, I spent several days in what I call the space in between. Mm. That place in time where we're facing an uncertainty and we don't know what the future holds. Usually, we're thrown in there by loss. You know, in the space in between, I love, I love that in the space in between is where the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Because, see, Romans 8.28 tells us that God uses all bad things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And goes on to tell us in 29 that in those moments, we are made more like Christ. But the enemy doesn't want that because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want that. So in the space in between, he sits there. But the beautiful thing is, and the beautiful thing that I learned was, in the space in between, Jesus sits there. He resides there. And with him, he casts out everything with his hope, his love, and his purpose for each and every one of us. And in that moment that I cried out to him, spending several days wondering why me, He answered every question in my heart. And I knew in that moment that I had been a sinner all my life. I had done things that he would not approve of. And the only way to become a functioning, loving woman with purpose in Christ again would be to allow Christ to lead the way. And it was in that moment I knew there was no other way but to rely on him. I spent probably about five and a half months in the hospitals, different hospitals, learning how to first learn how to even just breathe on my own, learning how to sit at the edge of the bed, learning how to walk on my knees for the first time and stand on my knees, building up my core to be ready to stand on prosthetic legs for the first time. It's very easy to learn how to walk again in the sense of it took me about three weeks. But I will spend the rest of my life learning how to live without hands. Hmm. So Cindy, how does one contract a flesh-eating disease? Flesh-eating disease sounds so scary. And the truth is the mortality rate of it is very, very high. It Once it enters an open cut or a wound as a bacteria, it moves very fast. Now, my body was fighting that flesh eating on my right leg, but it was also going septic as a result of all, all of um, all of the things that were going on. And it was fighting to keep blood circulating around my heart and my lungs, which meant that my outer extremities got no, no blood and no oxygen. One contracts it usually, Carol, through a cut or a wound. However, I didn't have either. Wow. So you don't know? Um, I did pick up the bacteria somewhere, and it did get into my right leg somehow. Um, 
you know, most people would perish within the first 12 to 24 hours. And for some reason, I lived four or five days before they even diagnosed me. Mm -hmm. So God had a plan and a purpose. (laughs) He did. He did. Cindy, you are one of the most beautiful women I've ever had the opportunity to interview. Um, I just love your heart. I just love (sighs) your heart. So Cindy... If I had the world's greatest recipe for chocolate cake, you best believe I'd be teaching it, sharing it everywhere I went. Um, If I could guarantee women, this is the way you lose 50 pounds and keep it off, honey, you better believe I'd be sharing that one. Um, But you have something so valuable inside of you that um, exceeds practical living and, and goes beyond that. So Cindy, what is the one lesson that you know, that you know, that you know, that you can teach women? Whew, just one, Carol. <laughs> that, <laughs> well, give me that's that. difficult. Give me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first thing that I want to say to every woman listening today is that the world is trying to define us. And I spent most of my life in the world believing that definition of who we are and what makes us complete was true. Today, I'm a woman with no hands and feet. I have scars all over my body. Let me take you on a trip through the map of my body. I have scars at the back of my head that my hair conveniently covers because I had bed sores all over my back. I have the same type of big pocketed scars. I have scars both down my sides because both hips had to be replaced as a result of this. And I have right, um, I have 35% of my right leg completely missing with what looks like chicken wire skin because they had to take skin off my left leg and put it on my right. I have stripes on my left leg where they took the skin off, actual stripes. And yet, in every bit of that, Carol, every bit of that that the enemy would use to say, I'm not good enough, I can say because of Jesus, because he tells me that I am complete, I am beloved, I am whole, he has deep love and great purpose for me. Because of that, I have never been more whole or more blessed. Mm. Our the definition of who we are, it doesn't have to come from the world. It can come from a divine authority. And he says to each and every one of you that you are deeply loved and wholly blessed. And if you have one moment in your life that you doubt that, open up Ephesians 1, where we are told that we are beloved, we are forgiven, and we are chosen, we are sealed with the Spirit. And my friend, If you even continue to doubt that, take some purple lipstick, and it has to be purple because we are the daughters of a king, and write it on your mirror because we are deeply loved. And God has a purpose for each and every one of us. Oh, I love that. I love it, Cindy. And I love that you referenced um, the book of Ephesians, one of my favorite books in the Bible, I once wrote a Bible study. Oh, really? Uh, on it. And one of the translations, Ephesians 5, 1, 
translates that verse as, we are constantly in the process of becoming more and more like God. And I looked at that word becoming um, because you can use that word in two ways. Um, and that was what I titled the Bible study was becoming, because it's a, it's a word that women respond to. Oh, becoming, I, I want to be becoming. I, you know, we, we translate that word as, as winsome or attractive. But in the word of God, it means we look like Jesus. Our, our hearts are more like him and he is who we want to become like. So what I hear you saying, Cindy, is, is ringing out clearly, truthfully. Thank you for that. I hope that you're enjoying my tender conversation with Cindy Wilkins today. Honestly, this is the truth. I don't think I've ever met a woman quite as beautiful inside and out as Cindy is. Well, before Cindy and I continue our conversation, I want to tell you just a little bit about two of my recent books. You know, my whole life, every moment of every day is about encouraging the women of my generation. I'm committed to teaching the Word of God and to be a purveyor, a bringer of joy and hope, if you will. One of the ways that I do that is through writing books. Um, in the year 2021, the book that was released is titled Rooms of a Mother's Heart. And really this book, Rooms of a Mother's Heart, is my gift. It's my legacy to all the generations of mothers to come. I believe that motherhood is the most significant calling in the world for any generation. So if you need some creativity, some wisdom, some stories that'll make you laugh and make you cry, some scriptures, some prayers, that will help you on your journey of motherhood, Rooms of a Mother's Heart might be the book for you. And then in 2022, I have a new book coming out titled At Home in Your Heart. And this book is a devotional. You know, I love to read devotionals. So getting to write one was pure joy for me. At Home in My Heart looks at all the rooms in your heart and what Jesus will do when you allow Him to be the Lord of your heart. So both of these books, The Rooms of a Mother's Heart and At Home in Your Heart can be purchased on Amazon at CBD, which is christianbookdistributors.com or on my website, carolmccloudministries.com. But now let's get back to my conversation with my powerful guest, Cindy Wilkins. So Cindy, you've written a book, and I want to talk about your book um, because I know that once my friends hear this interview, they're, they're going to want to know more about Cindy Wilkins. But your book is titled Shine On, right? It is. And, yep. and uh, so in your book, do you tell your story? Oh, absolutely. And Mark and I both decided early on that we were going to open our lives just like a book and that we would share every deep and dark secret that we carried 
so that it could show people the transform the transforming power of Jesus Christ. So the book is very truthful. It shares my story only up until just after I I came home and learned how to reside in Christ. It's very early on, but I am told, Carol, that once you pick it up, you can't put it, put it down and I just feel so very blessed by that. So Shine On is available. It's called Shine On, The Remarkable True Story of a Quadruple Amputee. Once you read it, you'll understand why it's called Shine On. And um, it's available at any online bookseller. So I have to ask you something practical now. Okay. So you, you, you no longer have human hands, and yet you wrote a book. <laughs> So did you dictate it? Like, what did you do? Tell me what you did. Let us pick oh. you writing this book. <laughs> well, you know, it writing a book without hands is definitely completely different than normal. I was very accustomed to feeling thoughts in my heart flow down my arms through my fingers and either onto the keyboard and page or onto a written page. And I couldn't do that in the beginning. Um, so I had to learn how to dictate. But when you speak words, they're not the same as what you would write. And so it was an amazing learning curve for me to try to capture all of the things I would put onto paper, but instead in my voice. Um, and hopefully I did that. But uh, I, I continue to write today. I'm working on several projects and it continues to be an incredible um blessing. But one of the things that God did do for me, Carol, I have to share it with you and your listeners, is that just before I launched the book, I actually started to write by hand without hands. Huh? Handwriting without hands 101. And, <laughs> and I just, I was sitting beside my husband in church one day and I was taking notes and he just looked over at me and he was absolutely shocked. And somehow God just turned on this tab. And my handwriting today is much better than it used to be. I, I can't even understand how that works, but if we could understand, it wouldn't be God. So I'm just so thankful that I can write pages upon pages in my journal now, and the thoughts can come out that way as well. However, writing is all dictation, writing books. Yeah. Uh-huh. And do you have plans for a book too? Because you said the book ends shortly after you came home from the hospital. So the, the rest of the story to me would be very interesting as the years have gone by. Are you going to write Absolutely. book number two? Yes, I'm working on two and three. Um, I do have a website called howdoesshedothat.life where you can um, pop on and I share how I do do things, um, accomplish things in Christ um, every day. I mean, really what you're sitting there and thinking is how does she brush her teeth? How does she take care of her children? How did she change her child's diaper? Well, at least I would have thought that. But, <laughs> oh, but me too. Um, me those, too. Yeah, yeah. So those are the things I love to share at howdoesshedothat.life. It, it links into a YouTube channel and you come into my world and I share all of the things that God's teaching me as I learn to do things without hands. So how does she do that dot life? Yes. And of course, we'll put that in the show notes so people can just click and be taken right there into your world, be transported and, and see how Cindy does life. I love it. Um, so Cindy, one more question about your book. Um, like who should read this book? Who who should who should read Shine On? Um, is let me put it this to you this way: because your story ends or the book ends, 
right when you came home from the hospital, like, were you discouraged then or were you, or had you begun to be hopeful then? The book is filled with hope. It does walk through lots of pain with me and my husband, but it is filled with hope and the ending is beautifully hopeful. So if you are looking for hope and inspiration, Shine On is a book I pray that you get a chance to read and I pray that it blesses you so deeply and shows you the transforming, loving power of Jesus. You know, in preparing for, for our conversation today, Cindy, um, and, and thinking about your life story, I was thinking about how, okay, so you, you don't have hands and feet which is not my story, but there are still vital things in life that I lack that have been cut off from me. Re- relationships that, oh, that are heartbreaking. Um, and so although I'm not a physical amputee, I might be an emotional amputee. And so when I hear the way you journey through this, it brings me great hope. So for my friends who are listening, we can all relate to Cindy's story because we all have things that have been cut off because of disease, because of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your story is very significant. So Cindy, tell us some other women who have impacted your life greatly. Um. I have been so blessed in my 11-year journey as a Christian, Carol, to have people just build into my life and Christian leaders just just come in and show me what it's like to live as a Christian day to day. I have um, several people who I do look very much towards, who have mentored me, who've assisted me um, in showing me how not to just live daily um, as a as an amputee, but how to serve as well. And I mean that because really my heart is just so blessed by women who serve. Because there's moments where I've traveled all over the world. I've gone to places, well, maybe not all over the world, but I've traveled places in the world where I go and things are not accessible. And I see these beautiful women just step in and help me and have a heart for Jesus to be his hands and feet. They are the women who just touch my heart so deeply. And all the women who was to help me keep this ministry shine on going, because we also have a mission, all of those women. So Ruth Coghill, who's a very good friend of mine, and she has written many Bible studies. And she is a treasured friend who I very much have mentor as a mentor. And several women around me, everyday women, women whom you may not know about because they haven't written a book or they haven't... Um, given their testimony on a large stage or altar, but yet they serve with passion and love. I am so blessed by being surrounded by them. You know, Cindy, that's what I love about this particular question. And it doesn't matter who I ask this question to, to Billy Graham's granddaughter or or to my Sunday school teacher when I was a little girl. They all say the same thing. Oh, you don't know my significant women. You don't know the people who have impacted my life, but they're there. And I think that that's a call to all of us, that our lives matter and that we're impacting other women's lives, whether we know it or not. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Cindy, what's your favorite Bible verse? 
Well, that varies day to day. Um, when I woke from the coma, it was definitely Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Um, mm. During my journey, it has def- my life versus Matthew five sixteen. But I'm really, um, really leaning into Romans eight twenty nine mm-hmm. because you know we are here to be more and more like Christ. We are called to be more and more like Christ, and we all walk through very difficult times. But that's that's the end result. That's the the heavenly reward to be more like him. Amen. You know, Cindy, I, I love it that you're bringing that up as well, because we all love Romans 8, 28 so much that all things work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so in some twisted way, um, in years past, I've thought, oh, um, well, if I don't have enough money for groceries, but I still tithe, maybe the Lord will send somebody to take us out to dinner this week, you know, or, or, or whatever it might be. But you can't read Romans 8, 28 without re- reading Romans 8, 29, because exactly. it says that we're becoming like Christ in these challenging times. So what if the good that he's working um, is that we're becoming more like Jesus. Like that's eternal. That's not temporary. And what a beautiful time to be thinking of our eternal heavenly rewards in a time where there is uncertainties. We actually have the incredible gift of being able to look upwards. Yes, yes. Um, Cindy, I have five kids. And um, as you know, I homeschooled. And we I used to play the question game with them. and at the dinner table. And one of our favorite questions, I used to ask my kids, I'm going to ask you right now. I would say to them, if you could have been at any Bible event, what one would you have chosen and why? And of course, my boys used to say, oh, you know, when David cut off Goliath's head or the walls of Jericho, it always involved blood and guts with my boys. (laughs) (laughs) And my little girls would always say they wanted to be at the manger in Bethlehem, you know. Um, but so, Cindy, if you could have been at any Bible event, what one would you have chosen? Mm, that's a tough question, Carol. I have to try that on my children tonight. But do it, at do the it. dinner table. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to have seen Abigail riding out to King David with her heart and just pleading with him and to see the reward she received for her faithfulness. And the reflection of the reward we we receive in Jesus Christ. That would have been incredible. Okay, so Cindy, that's like a little bit of an obscure Bible event. Yet I love that you see what was happening there. One of the things I love about Abigail is some of the first words she spoke to David is she said, let the blame be mine when the blame was not hers. She had nothing to do. Uh, with the injustice that had happened. And and what a powerful place for a woman to say, you know what, I can take the blame yeah. if it helps the situation. Um, yeah. So, oh, that that's a lovely, a lovely place to want to be where Abigail approached King David or who was going to be King David. So yes. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cindy, I love talking to you. I just feel like we could talk all day, but um, 
I always like to close with with a fun little thing that we do. Some people might call it a lightning round, but I prefer to call it a few of my favorite things because I love the sound of music. Um, oh, I love it. So I'm just going to shoot some topics out there and you're just going to respond as quickly as you can. And there's no right or wrong answer. And you can certainly say pass if you want to. Okay, <laughs> okay I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Well, your favorite book you've ever read other than the Bible? Ooh. Um, oh, I pass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I read all the time. I just constantly reading. I just finished um, Charles Stanley's uh, Living in the Spirit. I've written, I've read so many. And as a homeschooling mom, we're always reading books. It's really difficult to choose one favorite. Okay. Other than the Bible. Okay. If you think of it, <laughs> insert it later. Okay. So Cindy, right now, what is the worship song or the hymn? That when the opening starts, you start sobbing and your heart starts pounding because you think this is my song. This song was written for me. I love Dancing on the Waves by um, We the Kingdom. I love that song too. Yeah. My heart just dances with Jesus when I hear it. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, Favorite movie you've ever seen? Again. (laughs) Um, We love movies. movies. I love all faith-based films. I would say The War Room, probably. Um, I'm currently working on a screenplay, so I'm dwelling within the movie that I'm working on, which you know as a writer, we dwell within our work. So that, I think, might be my favorite eventually. But today, it's uh, it's um, The War Room, I think. The War Room. Or God's Not so, Dead. So the movie you're writing, is it about your life or is it? Yes, it's uh, taking the book and turning it into a screenplay. And One who do the... you want to play your character? I have no idea. Um, It's one of the callings on my heart that's been there since. There were three callings on my heart when I first woke up from the coma. It was to share this story, to write a book, to start a mission, which we've done. We assist families in crisis all over the world, and um, to write a screenplay. And so I'm answering the call and absolutely terrified, but... I'm leaning into the courage that he gives me, not the courage I have for myself. And I'm turning Shine On into a screenplay. Great. We'll be cheering for you and praying for you for sure. Um, What's your favorite way to rejuvenate? Sitting at the back of our property, which is several acres, there's a little hill and there's a bench on the hill. My favorite place to be is what I call the hill of prayer and serenity. And it's where I'm just in his presence, at his feet. Awesome. Your favorite dessert? Cheesecake. (laughs) That was fast. (laughs) You didn't have to think about that one. (laughs) Uh, Your favorite holiday? Um, My favorite holiday would, uh, as in, um, well, it probably is. My favorite holiday would be celebrating the day that I was expected to die and instead have experienced every possible memory that I could have imagined with my family. And so that will be tomorrow night, and we will sit around a table and play board games, and we're calling it the Mom's Not Dead Day. (laughs) And we're just going to have fun and enjoy each other and thank the Lord that he chose to let me be here. I love it. My daughter-in-law was healed of MS. Um, it's a it's an unbelievable story. And and so every year on August 7th, 
they celebrate Happy Healing Day, um, oh, much the it. same way that you do. And they go out for dinner and they talk about the Lord and his blessings. And so I love it that you, that's a stone of remembrance, Cindy, for your family. Absolutely. And, it's, and what he's it's done. A, yes. It's important for our children to examine our stones of remembrance. So I love that you do that. Cindy, favorite devotional? Do you read devotionals along with the Bible? I do read devotionals. Um, absolutely, no hands down is my utmost. My utmost for his highest is my favorite. I love that too. I love it too. What did you want to be when you were a little girl? An actress. <laughs> Didn't we all? And a, actually, I did want to be a writer too. So, okay, there you there go. You go. Uh -huh. Yeah. Oh, Cindy, I have loved talking to you today. You, you are amazing. Your heart has really given me courage. I, I think, Cindy, that is a lesson that you can teach women is, is how to live courageously um, because you're doing it, sister. You're doing it. <sighs> Thank, Thank you, you. Carol. Thank that you. means so yeah. much. Thank you. Yeah. So before we go, Cindy, would you pray for my friends? Would you pray for the listeners? I would be honored to pray for the listeners today. Friends, I just want to reach out to you and say, first, hug you and say thank you um, for listening to this story. Let's unite our hearts in front of the Lord. Father God, I just pray that each and every lady listening today just feels your love flowing from the tips of their fingers to the tips of their toes, Lord. I pray that they know they are defined by an almighty, powerful God who says that they are loved deeply, that they are, they have a purpose, that you have a purpose and a plan for them, and they are chosen and beloved by you, Lord. May they know, no matter what the world tells them, that they are whole and complete in you. And Lord, may they know that no matter what tears they cry, what pain they endure, you sit there with them and that you know the tears they've cried and that you love them through it. And may they know the silent whispers that you place upon their hearts in the space in between when they're facing uncertainties. May they know, Lord, that those whispers are you and don't be afraid to hear them. I pray all these things in your very precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Cindy. I um, you, so Karen. respect and admire you, and we'll be praying Thank for you. you. I feel the same way. <laughs> oh, thanks. And listen, when 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 you get ready to release book number two, I want to be your first interview. I, I want to interview you for book you number two. You got it. Two. Okay. You got all right. it. Blessings, all right. my friend. Blessings. Okay, God bless you. Thanks. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Wow. That was an interview, wasn't it? I hope that you loved listening to Cindy's story as much as I loved speaking with her. After talking to Cindy, I am determined never to complain again about the minor annoyances in my life. Her ability to overcome serious 
physical limitations is filled with joy and hope and miracles. Also, I do hope that you will buy a copy of her book, Shine On, if you want to know more of her life story. Thank you for joining me this week on Significant Women. I hope that you will share this podcast with your friends, as well as leave a review on one of our hosting platforms. Just a few words of recommendation mean the world to us. My friend, I want you to remember on good days and on hard days, in easy times and in the challenging times of life, I want you to remember that you are significant because you've been made in the image of God. He has stamped you with his power and with his creativity. He has given you his mind and his heart. So you, my friend, are significant.